I'm Laura Vinrit Pool of Capital, and this is What We Wore. Tug Rice is a New York based artist who's known for his sophisticated and cheerful illustrations. We collaborated with Tug for our third annual Dream Book, and we were thrilled to learn about his journey as an artist. I'm so excited to see. I haven't seen anything that you've created for us for our dream book, but I can't wait to see it. Thank you. I think Scott's keeping some of it from me. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> you know, it's it's such a I haven't, you know, I haven't been to the store yet. Yeah. And so I'm, I hope you will. I hope I I, I definitely will. <laughs> but um so I'm having to imagine what the the experience of of shopping there is like because that's really the goal is like capturing the spirit of, of Yeah. There. And it's funny because just recently I was playing around with some different poses and 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 wardrobe for this one character that I'm drawing. And all of a sudden it was like Scott said, that's a capital girl. It's like, you know, and it <laughs> and I kind of knew too. Like I could I could tell I had figured it out. And it had nothing to do with hair or, you know, shape. Yeah. Or it was just like something about this ethereal quality. I don't I don't claim to understand at all what I do or you know, <laughs> I just sort of like go into a zone and trust that it'll it'll come together. And the great thing about working with with great people like Scott is like you really trust his point of view. So if he, you know, he's kind of shepherding it. And I never yeah. feel like, oh, you know, this is going to turn into something that it's, it's not how I would do it. It's like, no, I, right, I want right. that collaboration. And I know that it'll end up being what it should be. We were kind of laughing about Scott. He's just like this magical person that at a, at a shoot also, you could just grab like the ugliest clothes <laughs> and just he could dress somebody and make them look like, mm. I mean, Bianca Jagger on her wedding day. Like he's just so magical and it, it truly is a gift. It's like somebody using, you know, four crayons to create a masterpiece, but they just, like yes. the worst colors in the box, but they figure out how to do <laughs> exactly. it. But having parameters too is the best thing for an artist. You know, you you can't have, I mean, I hate having just no rules or no brief. I have to have like, you know, it has, I have to have some kind of, of structure, some rules. And you've done a bunch of shopping things, I think. You've done, I think you've done Bergdorf. Did you grow up with your mom shopping? Have you seen people, and not only just shopping, just in the things that you that you draw, do you study those moments before you go into it? Yeah, it was so weird, actually, just the other day. It was yesterday, I went to get, um, I needed some white t-shirts for something, and I walked into Bloomingdale's, and I hadn't been into, like, a department <laughs> store in, I don't know how long, you know, and this nostalgia, just, I was flooded with nostalgia, just the smell of, like, shopping you know which i didn't know yes, shopping had a smell but it, it, it it, it's different in department stores because it it took me back to being at, at the mall which was such a thing growing up you know <laughs> and it was actually really positive it was a very happy memory but yeah i mean i think i i, I always am watching a little bit you know and particularly yeah. it it varies where you go i mean the bergdorf shopper is there's such a you know, you could make a New Yorker cartoon about a, a, that that person and you'd be generalizing and stereotyping. But there is kind of there's some truth in everything. And yeah, you do. I pay attention to it for sure. Where was that mall? Where are you from? <laughs> it was the Palmer <laughs> Mall. I'm from Pennsylvania, you know, a pretty small town. It, I always have a hard time kind of describing it because it wasn't a town where everybody knows everybody. It wasn't one of those, you know, ultra mm -hmm. uh, quaint little towns. But it was it was a very kind of. American idyllic American suburb where I kind of thought that's where everybody grew up. I didn't realize that's not the case. And <laughs> I, it's actually till I was in college and I brought somebody home for a weekend and um, she was from LA and she 
we walked in and it was December. And I remember there was like snow outside on the roof. So my mom was pulling cookies out of the oven when we walked in. <laughs> and Lily's like, oh my God, this is like an, it's like an ABC family TV show, which doesn't exist anymore. But I was going to say Norman Rockwell, yeah, yeah, but even funnier Rockwell. ABC. <laughs> and so I, of course I like, I mean, when I was really young, I, I, I was, I loved it. But then, when, you know, when you're a teenager, when you're, and you're a creative person and you're, you know, reading about, I remember reading like Laurence Olivier's memoir or like reading a book about Vincent van Gogh and the people who had these really scrappy backgrounds, you know, and like there yeah. was nothing scrappy about growing up in the suburbs in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, you went to football games on Friday and you, you know, I, I mean, I just have all these memories of like riding my bike and it's yeah. very, very nice. And I'm grateful for it now. But I remember there was a period where I thought, God, it's so uninteresting. You know, like if you, I want to be a great artist, I have to have something. Were you artistic? Was it, I mean, and was it always drawing? Yeah, I was always drawing. I remember drawing really early on. Um, I kind of talked late. So I think I was drawing before I, I spoke. And my grandfather had been an artist and uh, he died when I was two. So I really didn't get to know him, unfortunately. But I really believe because I was the only artist in my immediate family. My sister is very I mean, she's good at everything, but, you know, interested in sciences and really excelled at, you know, um, math and all that stuff. And and my parents, you know, appreciate art, but they're not artists. But I think knowing I had a grandfather who was an artist, uh -huh. I just never doubted that I could become. Artist. You knew it was a th yeah. it was something that you could it's like become. a predisposition. It was hereditary, I thought, and, and still think. And so it was uh -huh. like saying, you know, well, I have blue eyes. Well, you know, that's just something you inherit or, you know, you're right-handed or left-handed, whatever. Because I see so many people kind of grapple with calling themselves an artist. And yeah. especially like, you know, when you're starting out or maybe you've done something else and you leave that job to become an artist, which is really, you know, great thing to do. But I think a lot of people struggle with that word. They're really insecure about it. But I, I'm glad that I never was because I just thought, well, of course I am. It's in the blood, you know. Did you have pieces of his work in your house growing up? Yeah, many pieces. And they were dark. They were kind of, they were all oils and they were really heavy. Okay. And um, and I have a lot, you know, I have some in New York now. And and I was very affected by them. I was really scared of a lot of them because they were really dark subjects. And But just, to, I guess, to have that reaction to art as a little kid is so great because even you know it, it just shows that you you have a relationship with with something that you're looking at you know i collect art and i i love having i love being surrounded by art but you know his pieces are my favorites that i you know if there were a fire that's what i would grab and he i mean he was a renowned artist he was a yeah he was. like legit yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did you know that did you i mean i think he painted the president i he mean did, he did yeah yeah. yeah. And and actually, he uh, Norman Rockwell was supposed to paint the president and he was ill and so my father got the job. Yeah, I did know that. But I remember like learning it when I was a little older and thinking, oh, my God, you know, that's that's so cool. And 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 just I think also the knowledge that you you can make a career as an artist, which so many so many kids, unfortunately, don't hear that growing up. They have parents that are telling them, you know, they've got to do something else. They've got to, you know become a lawyer or doctor or whatever. I'm a painting major. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> yes, I have heard that. Yeah. I think most people do. And honestly, I think anybody who tells you that is trying to protect you and they're trying to save you from a, you know, what, what could be a really hard, you know, not to say battle, but it, it's a it's a tough business like anything. But I was glad that I had a role model so close to me, even though I didn't know him, that 
showed me, no, you can do this, you know, because he he quit his job um, at, at Bethlehem Steel to become an artist full time. And it that was a great lesson. Was he self-taught? Yeah. Wow. That's remarkable. Did you hear about your grandfather from from people in the town and that they knew him? And yeah, and and, and you know you'd you'd run into people who had bought you know some of his work or had oh, wow. things yeah. and yeah, it's it's you know you realize I mean now when you're surrounded by creative people, it's not that unique, but you realize that in most parts of the world, to choose to do that as a living is really rare. Yes, and brave. And brave, yeah, really brave. So I really, you know, commend yeah. anybody who, who who does it, who makes that decision. And yeah, I think it was, it's like an anomaly kind of in a in a small town in, in particular. Any stories you heard about him growing up that were important to you? Well, I just remember hearing later on that he used to, you know, all his notebooks in school he was drawing in. And I think there was like a, a drawer <laughs> that was locked that eventually, not that long ago, um, somebody was able to pull open and there were like notebooks from high school where he was drawing and so that that that's good. He did like his yearbook in high school and stuff. So it was obviously started <laughs> early. And again, it was just kind of proof that like there might be something to this genetic. Um, I, don't, yeah. I mean, there's so many athletes who you know uh, are the sons or grandsons of athletes, and and you know think well maybe they're just exposed to it early on, and so that's just what they know. But I don't know. I kind of think that there's I think there's something to it. In high school, what what did you think you were going to do? Well, I never studied art. I never took an art class. I think I had this instinctive feeling that if I studied it, I would, I would yeah. get really insecure about it, really self conscious, <laughs> which I think is true. I mean, I kind of know myself well enough to know, and that that sort of did happen when I so I studied acting, um, ah. and I went to a performing arts high school um, where you chose a major, and half the day was um, academic classes, and half you were studying, you know music or theater or painting or figure skating or whatever it was. <laughs> um, and I chose to study theater. And it was, a you know, it was kind of an, an intense, very academic pro theater program where you're reading plays and uh, reading a lot of plays and writing about them and talking about them. And and, and then from there, I went to Carnegie Mellon and, and, and studied acting there, which is a you know super intense program. So it was really kind of every day for like, you know, eight years. Um, and did you love it? Yeah, I really did. But I was interested in the sort of interested in like the pulling back and looking at the history of, of training and all of that. Like I, I have right. conflicted feelings about about studying art formally because I I did love it. I, I loved, you know, learning how to speak and how to move, which of course <laughs> we all do. We all learn as kids, but learning how to do it with intention and how to transform yourself to, you know, be somebody else. And and I found it all fascinating. And there's a, I forget who said it. It was like Eva Legallion or some famous actor or actress said, I think actors should be like tightrope walkers where only the most highly trained should be able to go out on the stage. And I, right. I do kind of love that because I don't know. I, yeah. There is, yeah, there's so much <laughs> to learn. But I also know that I, I did lose some of my freedom to be courageous in choices as an actor and you know, you it's very it's very hard to unhear teachers. You know, say, yeah, you know, that's that's not the right way to do it. Or uh, <laughs> so I I'm glad then with with illustration it wasn't it wasn't something I ever studied. But the you know the 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 negative aspect of that is you do forfeit a lot of 
information, uh, which <laughs> maybe would be great. You could have used. Yeah, like it'd be nice to know about colors and things. But also there's nothing like, you know, another great quote, there's nothing like the amateur approach. Yeah. And yeah, so I think, I kind of feel like for me, it's kind of one or the other. Like I either want to just go full 1000% in and, and learn everything I can and be really interested in it or go based on instinct and and um, have a more vis- visceral approach to to the work. And, the, and so then when you graduated from Carnegie Mellon, did you move to New York and start acting? And were you successful? Yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought, well, this is what it is. It's auditioning and then you get a, you get a yeah. show and you go out of town and you you know, do a show for, I don't know, two months or something, and then come back and you audition. And, you know, it was working. I was, I was, everything was going well. And I was working on a lot of readings in the city and, you know, like my network was building and, and I was starting to kind of cross off projects that I wanted to do. I think every actor has like a list, especially when you do classics, you have a list of roles or plays that you really want to work on. And, I was starting to kind of check some of those off and I felt like I could I could kind of see into the future a little bit like if especially if I was working on a project where I was one of the younger ones in a cast and then you're seeing people you know sharing the dressing room and they're you know a lot older and and I thought this is so beautiful you know, actually to yeah. to still be doing that and and really to be doing something that probably we've all wanted to do in this room since we were really young but I think I also felt like I wanted to be surprised by my uh, career and and by artistic opportunities and and I I, I like the idea of something that moved a little faster. You know, I mean, there are certainly mm-hmm. illustration jobs that, that take a long time, but generally speaking, it's a pretty quick turnarounds. And so when it happened, and I saw I could kind of compare the life of being an actor and the life of um, being an illustrator, it was um, it's kind of like a no-brainer. I thought this is just such a better fit for me. So was it always theater that you did? Yeah. Again, it's like I was interested in history always, even as a kid, and interested in the past. And, you know, I mean, like my first memories of clothes, it's like I was interested in, in dressing and, and clothing because dressing for an occasion was like, it felt like you were almost dressing like in the past, did you know? Because yeah. I was... <laughs> I, when I was growing up, it's like I was so uninterested in the present. I thought only all all the good things happened in the past, like, you know, because you you read these little picture books and they're always in like, you know, period clothes and stuff. So, you know, you see like uh, men's suits, which haven't changed much in a century. And uh, so when, when there was an occasion for, you know, my parents to be dressed up or something, it felt like very uh, important and it felt like you were almost time traveling, which I think was like yeah. what I found interesting about it. I totally agree with that. And it, it's yeah. like my favorite thing. And I, and my references and I mean, anytime I really love something, it's because it reminds me of this photograph I saw of my mom yeah. one time or this babysitter I had. It was mm-hmm. so cool. And I, I completely agree with that. Well, there's so much like, you know, sense memory with like, you know, yeah. say with perfume or, with, yeah. or something. And I think with clothes too, like I can can remember like clothing that my parents wore you know going to church or something which was mm-hmm. an occasion that I never like I hated sitting through it I just you know it was like torture but <laughs> did, did you draw because I I was always drawing fashion on the back of the program <laughs> I don't remember I mean pro- probably I feel like 
<laughs> I don't know. I should have been if I wasn't, but <laughs> but I never complained about having to dress for that. And I rem- and I it was like I kind of remember when it shifted when people stopped dressing to go to church. Yeah, that was really weird. It was. Wasn't it? I know. I know there are still places where people do. It's still like an event, you know, like it was. But they they say it was Bill Clinton actually. Oh, that's like. I mean that that's sort of the common lore oh. in men's well, that, that, that was yeah. because he wore golf shirts. No uh, president had never done that before. Uh, and Hillary wearing pantsuits right. and that had never been done. Well, before that's either. exactly like the timeline. It's probably about the same yeah, time. The, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I can remember. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. <laughs> it wasn't like a big part of our, our lives. We would go like, you know, some yeah. most Sundays. And my mom was always in a dress and my and my dad was in a suit and tie. And then I would be like in a, I guess I had little suits. I don't really remember. But, yeah. Or at least, like, well, you a, had a sport. You had a sport a coat. Sport coat and like khakis and <laughs> great, dress shoes, great, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And a button, button up, button down shirt. And then it did like shift. And I remember that's when like it really was like, well, what's the point now? I mean, you know. <laughs> so so during this time moving to New York and acting, were you drawing at all? Yeah, definitely. That was like the constant all throughout life. And I never I don't know why it never occurred to me that I could do that. I just thought I thought because I didn't study it, it was like something you can't you can't just do. And also because I had gone to high school with people who were, you know, studying that every day yeah, down sure. the hall. And they were so serious, you know, and like they were, I don't know. They, I mean, their work was so great and they were, so it was just like, I thought, well, they they know all about perspective and horizons. Or, <laughs> I don't know, things like I didn't have any idea about. And so I thought I would be, it would be so fraudulent to try to do that. So I did it just for myself and I would do it. Well, you see, so you weren't selling it. No, I never, you, well, I did sell it as a kid. I had a, like kids have lemonade stands and I did have an art stand for really yeah of stuff you had made before or stuff you were doing yeah. in the uh, I think they the were movie. like existing pieces that I was selling yeah has your medium been the same the whole time uh what's your medium well it, as I mean it was a, as a kid it was like pen, Bic pen and crayon um <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and then and then it was just you know pencils and um my favorite thing to draw with still is a like a, a mechanical pencil like you know the cheap yeah. plastic ones but i did i did kind of start dabbling in watercolor when i was in my 20s and i would be like i remember i was doing a play in new jersey and i was backstage and i had a chunk of time where i didn't have to be on stage so i was in the green room and there were all these coloring books backstage and um because you know you just have to like do mindless things while you're kind of waiting yeah. to hear your cue and i would color and then i would kind of add to the coloring book drawings and <laughs> kind of remember in that, that situation people leaning over my shoulder and kind of going oh wow you know have you thought about like selling these and i don't know um <laughs> sure you know but i <laughs> it, it I, I resisted it and then as soon as i kind of like opened up that door it was like Oh, this is really oh. like, it was so, I don't know. It, um, as I was saying before, like everybody wants to tell you how hard it is to be an artist when you decide right. to do that. And again, I think that they're trying to help you and, and prepare you for, for the reality. And so you kind of, when you become an artist, whether it's an actor or a musician or an art painter or whatever it is, you just assume you're supposed to struggle. And you kind of assume right. like it's supposed to be really tough and that you're supposed to like not work that much. And so I just kind of like didn't really think about it. I didn't really assess 
how it was going or anything. I just did jobs I was hired for and then thought, this is just what it's going to be forever. But the difference then with illustration is like, it was just opportunities were coming up. And when I used to get an audition um, from my agent, my first reaction was always like, oh God, I have to do this thing. I'm, you know, I have to either... <laughs> prepare now for something I'm probably not going to book that I'm going to really want, right or prepare for something that I don't want and I'm still not going to book or I am going to yeah. book and I don't want to do it it was always like you know fear auditioning yeah. is so hard and then the difference between that and then getting a call about an illustration project where occasionally you have to kind of audition for it if if it's like a, a, a poster for something or it's like but that's really not normal. It's usually just like an offer. Um, you're yeah. paid to audition usually, which is also right, nice. right, exactly. So, and it was like people were asking me. My my illustration agents were going, "Well, what do you think? You know, do you think can you have time for this? Would it fit in your schedule? What do you think of the?" And I just couldn't believe anybody was asking me those questions because yeah, I was so used to kind of thinking of it as being. Of, of feeling like I'll probably fail, but yeah. I'll try. And being like kind yeah. of a, a pawn, you know, be, having a very, having very little agency in my own. Yeah, agency. very little control over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there is very little control, and that's just how it is. You're like, producing your own one one man show, exactly. Which a, a lot more people are doing now, actually. I think. Uh, yeah, you kind of have right. to. I mean, you can't just wait around for. And even when the opportunities come, it's like every show closes. You know, eventually. yeah. So what was the first project that gave you the confidence to to pursue it full time and to really think of yourself as an artist or an illustrator? Yeah, it, it, I think it was it was a fashion project, a menswear project. I started seeing illustration a lot more in, in magazines and newspapers and things. And I don't know, maybe I just hadn't been paying attention to it. But I, as I was kind of starting to think maybe this was something I could do, I started seeing it a lot more. And I think up until that point, there had been so much photography, but what was changing, and this is just, you know, my theory, I don't know if it's true, but I think with everybody having an iPhone in their pocket, you know, <laughs> photography wasn't as magical as it felt, yeah. you know, even 10 years before that. Um, we all have these amazing yeah. cameras. We're not all great with them. I mean, I'm a horrible photographer, but, um, but we have the tools, you know, um, whereas like you can either draw or you can't. Anyway, I think that was one thing that, and also just the, the from a you know a client's perspective, I think rather than staging a photo shoot with you know hiring a photographer and models and makeup people and hair people and yeah. you know all that stuff, you could hire a yeah. person to do an illustration where <laughs> you could have anything. You know, there's no limit. Yeah. So I th I think the combination of those is is why you started seeing it more. And I was really like appreciative of of companies that were doing that because it was something I was interested in. And there's a menswear company, a tailor in um, London called Tom Sweeney, and they were opening up a shop in New York and they did this mm -hmm. campaign on social media where they were asking, I don't know, like maybe a dozen artists uh, to interpret their, I think, spring summer collection. And it seemed like there wasn't much of a of a brief. It was just sort of, you know, look at the clothes and, and create an image and each week we'll share mm -hmm. one. And I thought this was so cool and i thought you know this this means that there's going to be more of this you know and also the fact that there are 10 people that can do it yeah <laughs> it means it's actually an industry yeah, exactly yeah yeah <laughs> and they were all so different you know they were so diverse yeah. and like the pictures were so different but they were all cool and at the end of the day you could tell that like it was all about the, the clothing it was still selling the 
the the product, yeah. which is what illustration has to do. So I I told Julio um, how much I I liked this, and I had no ulterior motives. Although it, it's kind of it sounds hard to believe, but I really just <laughs> thought because I really believe when you appreciate what somebody's doing, especially creatively, because we all second guess things so much. It's really yeah. nice to tell people because otherwise you just get, like you don't hear it enough, and you know there's so yeah. many decisions that go into everything that it's really nice to get that kind of feedback. So I I just said, I think this is so great that you're doing this. And and I and he wrote back and he said, oh, thank you. You know, and I've looked at your work and I really like it. And actually one of our artists had to pull out, would you like to step in and, and create something? And, you know, it was not, it was not a big project by any means. I mean, it was a social media, strictly social media campaign. And um, yeah. it was not, I mean, it wasn't like a billboard in Times Square, but it was big for me at the time because I it's the first time I, I was asked to create something for for yeah. And because of that, it, it was a domino effect then where the next project I did, which was designing pocket squares for a, a huh. Swedish company, that was, you know, in the same world of, of men's style. And then I did stuff for rowing blazers and a lot of the other mm-hmm. tailors in New York. And so it just kind of I you know, if my first job had been something else, the second and third would have been something else, too, I think. And then tell me about your hand. Like, did it feel consistent every time you did it? Yeah. Because I know that sometimes when I start a painting yeah. or something, you know, and I haven't painted for a really long time, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know how to do this anymore. And then I'm like, oh, actually, it looks just the same as what I did I 30 years ago. Why? Well, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I know it. you can kind of psych yourself out with that, especially yeah. the, the more you've been doing it. I, I um, A friend of mine who's a, a really great uh, hairdresser said one time that he 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 felt like he forgot how to do it and it was like yeah. he was at the peak of his career he said i for like yeah. two years i just couldn't do it because i was so like paralyzed yeah and i can yeah. understand that i didn't really second guess it and then when i started working with with my agent stephanie pesikoff she said she gave me the freedom to really explore it she said you know sometimes we tell people like you're all over the place like stick to something stick to your yeah. find, find a point of view but she said, you know, you you have that, but I want you to feel like you can also try new mediums. And so yeah. I started going to the Met and I would just take pictures walking around. And like you were asking about looking at people shopping. And I love that. And I love it doing it at the museums, looking at people, looking at art. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the the context of that was interesting to me. And, and also looking at art and looking at something like, like the... the um, the Greek pottery or something, which I hadn't really looked at much up mm-hmm. until that point. It just didn't resonate with me. But then I kind of would interpret it in my own way. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, that, that's kind of how you how I developed a, a point of view, but also expanded on it. Um, so now, you know, I, I know like there's a color palette that I kind of use without really thinking about it. And there's a way that I draw a nose or eyes or whatever. Yeah. But but sometimes you have to shake it up, I think. Do you see any connections between your grandfather's work and, and your hand and his hand? I really don't. I mean, I, I would love to. And one day, like, I would love to really work on with, with oil and and try to do like a, an oil portrait yeah. or something. But no, I mean, my work is really light and really it's it's illustration, you know, and it's I think it has roots in like Art Deco his work was very dark and it looked like old masters. I mean, it was really, yeah. Um, and that's what I love. Like when I go to museums, I'm 
I gravitate toward that, but I don't have the patience for oil. And I, I don't know, there's just the way you grow up. I feel like there's this kind of innocence in a way of my, uh, upbringing of, of growing up in, in Pennsylvania and stuff that even though I work with, with brands that sometimes like that you're, you're trying to create something really cool and really urbane and whatever, it's still this, <laughs> this like this innocence and cheerfulness, which yeah, I can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't hide that. Yeah. But I also think like, you know, in, in, in anything with style, it's like you need tension and yeah. having a balance is like, yeah, you need both. And it takes it in, in fashion, which you work a lot in fashion, it, fashion takes itself so seriously. Right. So you have to have like something, some wink or like some playful energy because otherwise it's just and actually I do remember in that kind of period where I was experimenting a little bit I remember being told like it's getting a little too cool for school like it's a little too <laughs> you know and I thought okay that's, that's and that's not me you know that's not <laughs> that's not authentic so I, I don't I don't hide from the 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 cheery cheeriness of it you know that's just part of it and so where's your studio right here in New York and what's your medium I work digitally I so basically when I started uh, working commercially because, and I, I started mostly for practical reasons. I loved watercolor and ink. I really, I really loved that, and I was kind of fearless with it. And so many people would say watercolor is so difficult, and I'm sure if you do it correctly, it is. But I just kind of like slapped it off. Yeah, you know, <laughs> treated it like acrylic or something. But, but I, I started working digitally because, particularly with editorial work, they might need something in two days. And that includes yeah. revisions, you know, so the idea of scanning artwork, which was really hard for me to, fi I couldn't, I could never figure it out. You always, I always ended up getting the texture of the paper scanned and I couldn't get rid of that or, or photographing art and then fixing it in Photoshop. And all that yeah. stuff. I thought, just cut that out, do it from the beginning on the computer. And those tools are just, you know, they're amazing. Very, yeah. Uh, I mean, life changing. I saw that the Hockney show in London and you can see, oh. you watch the whole yes, process yes. on the big screen oh, of him I doing know. it. It's magical. I, I love that he has not shied away from it because he could so easily dismiss it. Isn't know? that cool? And that's how I feel, you know, this AI conversation is so, I mean, I think about it every day. And um, <laughs> and it's it really does make you wonder, you know, where we're headed with in every profession. And certainly yeah. you can train AI to do my job. You could train it to do my job like me. You know, I could, I could teach it to draw like me very easily but I can't and at first when it was all happening I just wanted nothing to do with it I just thought I don't I want to pretend like it doesn't exist <laughs> but then I thought well that's really hypocritical as somebody who works digitally I mean I think people felt that way about Photoshop and Illustrator when they came out right right and I owe so much of my style and my career to those tools so now I, I'm like experimenting with, you know, how, how can AI be used in a in a positive way that doesn't take somebody's job, but maybe maybe you cut down on some of your research or maybe you use it to storyboard yeah. ideas or, I mean, I know there are storyboard artists and there are researchers too, so that it, it's such a fine line. What's been the most powerful moment in your career to date? It's so hard when you're working on things because you never have perspective in the moment. And I wish that I did because I have worked on so many great projects with great people that then like a year or two later I go oh my god wasn't that so cool and I wish in the moment but you're just trying to get it done but 
I worked on a project for Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday, which was ended up oh, the wow. last big project before he died, you know, that's yeah. celebrated his work. And I had just loved his, his work. I mean, he was like Shakespeare to me, except he also wrote yeah. music. I mean, it, just incredible. <laughs> and all my life, I, I wanted to have some kind of creative interaction with him. I, and I didn't even know, I, I had no idea what that would be, but I just... And as he got older and I, older, I thought, God, you know, I don't know. I don't think this is going to happen. And then there was this big concert, virtual concert, right at the beginning of COVID. And it was watched by millions of people where every famous actor, you know, who, who had ever interpreted his music was singing his songs at home. And everybody was home watching because the world had kind of shut down for a month, but we weren't all fighting yet. So it was like that kind of sweet spot. Yeah. And I had, I worked very quickly on this project and, had no time to consider the magnitude of it or the fact that he would watch it. You know, I just didn't even, I was just trying to get it done. And I was working the last day, still sending things. And and then it happened and there was a big reaction to it. And the, the Library of Congress has archived it as a, preserved it as a you know significant work of art in the in the 21st century. Wow. And, and it turned out to have this real uh, resonance with people. And um, and then he wrote to me and, and thanked me for, uh. for my work on it. And Wow. And then he died, you know, and it, it's like, I, I was just, that's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was so, I still haven't quite processed it. Like I have the, the, yeah. um, here and anyway, that, that was incredible. And there's been other, you know, other opportunities. Like I have mentioned that actors have lists and I think I, I have lists, not necessarily <laughs> of clients, but you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to work on things with, um, uh, with a company called Halcyon Days in England and, and they create, fine bone china and, and enamel products mm. and silk silk products and a lot of it is they have all the royal warrants that you can have and um cool yeah and so we create a lot of things i've done collections for the, the queen's uh, jubilee and the king charles's coronation and it's really being a part of history i well, mean and i love i love <laughs> being a part of that like i'm always i i just that is so interesting to me you know if i weren't creating things I would be probably writing about the creation of things I just love that and I live in a building in New York where a lot of artists have lived here George O'Keefe lived here in my building and and Peter Arno who I'm reading a book about right now he was a famous New Yorker illustrator whose work I just have always loved and I just found out yesterday he lived there he lived, he lived here too <laughs> but I love being part of that and uh yeah and just kind of engaging with 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 the past in a way and I kind of seem to get in right at the tail end before people <laughs> die. <but> yeah. <laughs> at least I, I have some I have some contribution to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean with with Sondheim it was like this is like making work for Shakespeare in, in you know It's insane. Yeah, it was really really cool. And like I said, I'm still kind of still processing. Is there anything that you once believed about yourself or your work that you no longer think is true? I, I thought I had to wait till I was ready to do what I'm doing now. It's like there was this vague day that would come where all of a sudden I would go, okay, I've done my preparation and now I can be an artist. <laughs> I can be an illustrator. And I think because I had studied another art so religiously, yeah, that is why I thought you have to do that. that, that that's the process. And I'm glad that I realized that's not true you know, I have this thing I always tell myself, which is like my my masterpiece is in the future. It's not, you know, I the, the project I'm working on right now doesn't have to be the, you know, King Lear or whatever, the, the Hamlet. And there may not ever be 
that and that's okay too but it's if it is it's it's definitely in the future so i think nobody's ever quite ready to to do anything you have to just kind of leap into it yeah. you, you just prepare yourself to really struggle and i think the idea that that life can be easy in moments and that your work can be easy not to say that it's always easy and there are times when it's really challenging but there are also times when i think I know I'm doing what I am supposed to do. And that is such, it gives you such peace of mind. I'm and that's, a, a, you're in the flow when you're, when you really are doing what you were meant to be doing. Right? Yes. And you're not pushing against the, yeah, there's this other thing I always say with a friend of mine, it's like swim downstream. And I think you kind of, you're trained as a, as a young artist to really push and knock down doors and, and fight and show your resilience and your perseverance. And, but if you pay attention, you know, you realize like, and, and if you keep sharing things, there's going to be things that people kind of go, oh, do more of that. And if you pay attention to it, obviously that's the thing that people are responding to. And if you love that too, you found the thing you want to do. What did you wear to the prom? I went, <laughs> I went to more serious issues. Yeah, yeah, I know. My God, um, I went to three. Uh, oh my gosh, Todd! I know. Um, I two of them I wore. Uh, you know, I, I'm always very much like if I can just wear a black tux with a black bow tie, no vest. That's no. I feel very comfortable in that. But my my junior year prom, the theme was 007. So I wore like a ivory dinner jacket oh, black wow, cool. and i thought i i think nice. looking back i didn't quite look as elegant or <laughs> urbane as i thought i did but um <laughs> that's our first our first white dinner jacket i like that. oh it was there was not a lot of variety i don't know what they wear to proms now but when i was going it was like i mean you really i i, mean, yeah. I was like stuck out like a sore thumb i mean there's no <laughs> There's no variety. I mean, if somebody wore a suit and it was like, you know, wow. And now I think, well, that was so cool to wear a suit. I mean, why not? Like, I remember one person had like a kind of a sheen to the fabric. Like, okay. You know, like shark skin. Yeah, something. <laughs> and it was like, well, that's different. <laughs> All right. I like it. Thank you, Tom, oh, so my much. Pleasure. Really appreciate it. And, and really anxious to get you down to visit us. We'd love to have you here. Thank you so much. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. Please follow us on Instagram at What We Wore Podcast for additional content and show updates. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot